Hello, hello. Welcome back to Avatar, the podcast, comic edition. Hooray. We are your hosts, Acorn Bandit and Booster Greg. Say hello, Greg. Hello, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) We are excited to keep going through this comic journey. We have gone through so many good issues and we have many more to come. Today, we're going to be talking about Toph Beifong's Metal Bending Academy. But before we dive into the story, we're going to go through some five-star reviews. Yes, the first one comes from, this is their username, not me saying they're this kind of person, Big Fluffy Idiot. (laughs) What a name. What a name. They write, hi, hello, I'm a huge fan of this podcast, and I definitely came a bit late, about two years. I just love how funny the podcast is. I am so happy you made this podcast. I am so sorry I can't follow along with you guys. I just love this podcast. Sadly, I can't listen to you as I fall asleep at night because I have a time limit on my phone that my parents set for me. But I can at least listen between 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Well, Uh, I don't have a time limit on my phone, but I definitely fall asleep listening to podcasts. So I 100% feel this. Yep. There's so many that I listen to and I put them on. I'm like, all right, I'm going to listen to this hour. It's going to be great. And I fall asleep 15 minutes into it because <laughs> yeah, I'm so old. hard to stay awake. It's very difficult to stay awake. So I feel that at least. But thank you for listening and leaving the five star review. Well, maybe one day we can get your parents to kick that up to like 1030. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Yep. Also, have we been recording for two years now? Oh, my. We have. Has it really been that long? Oh, geez. Oh, so yeah, we started in 2020. Oh, where's the time? Oh, gone? my God. It's still 2020, right, guys? Guys? Yeah. Yeah. 2020. <laughs> 2020, right, friends? Yep. Yeah. June. June yeah. 2020. That's right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Time flies. Our next review comes from Cracker 49 who writes, Ang Amazing. Thanks, Acorn and Greg, for making this podcast. It is truly the best Avatar pod. I look forward to the comics and Korra. Keep up the good vibes. And then our favorite elemental emojis, the Mm -hmm. fire, the wave, the fart one, which we (laughs) (laughs) have talked about. It's actually, you know, airbending. Mm -hmm. And then a rock and then a lot of A-OK signs. Nice. Awesome. Thank you, Cracker Barrel. The next one, however, comes from what Nasus led. Led to, is it E-D-T at the end? That's how I'm reading it. That's a lot of consonants. That's That's a lot of them. They write, best podcast ever. I only discovered your show about a month ago, but I have thoroughly enjoyed diving back into the world of Avatar with this podcast. I worked the night shift alone, so I was easily able to binge and get myself caught up. Where we are now is the most exciting because I have never read the comics or books, so I'm experiencing these adventures for the first time alongside the new episodes. I, too, was a little upset that two adults somehow couldn't figure out how to conquer <laughs> one to four. Odd. A one to four odd, yeah. A one to four odd, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we even learn as children that if you're lost, to stay where you are because you are more likely to be found that way rather than if you keep changing locations and resetting yeah. your odds. That's what I was saying. Exactly. That's exactly what I was saying. I cannot wait to see what the other stories the writers have in store for us. The search will always be hard to top, but I'm excited just knowing that if anyone can do it, it's these storytellers. Lastly, I know this goes against the whole being an avatar thing, but I would love to see a Dragon Ball Z world tournament style showdown between all of the avatars. My money is on Kiyoshi, but I think Juan would probably give her the best challenge. His ability to learn and adapt so quickly would be his greatest weapon. Korra, I see as 
first out because she's too cocky. Yeah. And Aang would probably be taken out while trying to decide if this tournament was right or wrong. <laughs> Laugh out loud. What are your thoughts? Also, also, it would be so amazing if you guys somehow scored and interviewed with Brike. I need that content in my life. Okay, done for real now. Have an amazing day, everyone. Oh my God, I could die happy if we could talk to Brike. I know, I would love it so much. What are your thoughts on the tournament of avatars, though? Yeah, I have my money on Kyoshi, too. I think she would probably be the strongest contender. Mm -hmm. With what I remember of Juan, I also think Juan would be a great challenger. Korra could surprise us. I think she she can pull a lot out of her pockets when she needs to, mm -hmm. strength-wise, mm -hmm. from what I remember, again. But um, yeah, I think my money's on Kyoshi, too. I think my money's on Kyoshi, too, because she seems like she's the most brutal, and she like plays yeah. to win. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. She plays to win. Roku, I think, might be like, I, I see just a face off between Roku and Kyoshi at the end. Oh, true. You know, Roku's the kind of avatar who would really bring it in the final stretch. Yeah. He would probably like take it easy in the background a bit and take on challenges as they come, but he doesn't seek out the challenge until yep. there's two remaining. And then you have that like crazy Super Saiyan Dragon Ball Z style exactly. fight between them. <laughs> Yep. Absolutely. I disagree, however, with Korra being first out. I think probably my BFF favorite avatar of all time, Korra would be the first out. Oh, yep. He just showboats too oh, much. Oh, totally. He would be taken down while showboating. Yep. That's what I think. 100%. And, and then maybe Korra. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen this. I don't remember too, too much about her. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, thank you for <laughs> that, that conversation. Great hypothetical. Yeah. Thanks. Our next review comes from Joseph the Barista, who writes, Podcast of the Year 2021. Ooh. Acorn and Greg, you got me through an incredibly difficult year. I grew up watching Avatar as it was airing on TV and have rewatched it maybe 10 times, most recently being last January. Living in D.C., I needed some good comfort at the time. But right when I was about to cave and watch it again for the second time in six months, I found your podcast. You bring the story from my childhood to life in a whole new way. Listening to you feels like talking with old friends. At any rate, 10 out of 10 podcast hosts. Even if you can be adorably wrong sometimes, Greg, you got to break a couple meteors to make a space sword. Acorn, you're too sweet for your own good. Give Greg some of the good old Katara tough love for me. I've never been wrong a day in my life on this podcast. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Greg's always right. I'm always right, right? That's how that works. Sure. <laughs> your theories as you worked through the search have me biting my nails for you to read the Kyoshi novels, making me want to shout spoilers from the rooftops. They are truly mind-boggling and expand the world tenfold. Ooh. I look forward to every episode you post now that I'm caught up. Seeing a new episode always makes my day. To finish my review, my top five are Iroh, Zuko, Toph, Katara, and Kyoshi. And a shocker number six spot, Crook. My boy. Read the dang novels. <laughs> Much love, Joseph. Well, thank you so much, Joseph, for leaving that wonderful review. Hopefully, we'll get podcast the year 2022 in your eyes. Hopefully. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Two years running? Let's see. Let's see. We'll find out. The next review comes from the B01, and they write, This is written in parentheses, so you can read it. <laughs> Greetings. As someone who has seen Avatar The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, and read all the comics, I'm greatly enjoying listening to this podcast and hearing all sorts of fun facts and theories I've never even thought of. I've been listening to it in the background while I draw Avatar The Last Airbender fan art, and oh. I've caught up in just one month. I got to crunch those numbers because I feel like it's a lot of episodes per day. Catch up in a month. 
That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of ear time. Mm-hmm. My favorite characters are Azula, Avatar Kiyoshi, Toph, Sokka, but only in the third season, and Tai Lee. My favorite from Legend of Korra is Asami. I can't wait to Kiyoshi you guys cover the Kiyoshi books. <laughs> I see what you did there. Love twice. it. That's great. Love the that puns wonderful. that our listeners bring to the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully they, they make Mr. Greg proud. I do. Brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> so proud. Also, we haven't gotten Ty Lee on a list in forever. So I, I appreciate that. And I completely understand only season three, Sokka. Yeah. Yeah. A little less sexist, a little mm-hmm. more capable, a mm-hmm. little more of a, you know, the idea guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He really comes into his own also as a comedic character, I think, in season three. So that too. That makes yep. sense. Yeah. Also, with those Avatar puns, I just realized mm-hmm. that with our last review, I wonder if that's a hint that in the Yang Chen book, mm-hmm. Kuruk makes an appearance because Yang Chen is the mentor for Kuruk. Oh, I hope so. so. Fingers crossed. I don't I know if that's so. what Joseph is alluding to, but maybe. Maybe. I mean, it's going to be a while until we read those, but I hope so. Something to potentially look mm-hmm. forward to. Mm-hmm. All right. And our last review comes from Pi1241. And they write, Amazing. I started late, but I'm catching up now. And then about a million thumbs up emojis. Uh, that's clearly 5,346. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Thumbs there you up. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Short and sweet to close Love out it. our review segment. Ah, oh, Thank you, everyone, for your reviews. It is astounding whenever we go to check on the reviews. And we've heard Greg checks multiple times a day, so he is very much up on it. But whenever I peek my head in, it really just warms my heart. And I love hearing everyone's individual stories about our podcast, how they listen to it when they fall asleep, when they're going to work, how it's kept them company throughout the pandemic. So thank you all so much for taking the time to leave those stories for us. Yeah, thank you so much. As of right now, we have 247 just on the US side. So That's you want to nudge us up to 250, you know, it'd be amazing. And I I never, <laughs> honestly, so anyone who, who knows me and knows kind of my background, I've been on a couple of different podcasts. I never thought in a bajillion years that I would be a part of a podcast that hit over 100. Never mind, nearly 250. So thank you all so, so much. Thank you for writing them so we can read them as well. (laughs) That is appreciated. Because while it's nice to see all of the ratings come in, reading the reviews has been just really makes our day. And the emails have been coming in again. We know we're behind. We know we haven't responded in quite some time, but I read them. And I cry and then I tell my wife about them. And then she yeah. looks at me like people actually take the time. I go, yeah, <laughs> you don't understand the avatar community and how much they love this material and how much we all love talking to everyone about it. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you all for welcoming us as podcasters for this whole universe. It's been a delight being able to entertain you for the past two years. Wild two and counting. Yes, and counting. But yeah, so let's let's talk about this comic. Yeah, let's talk about this comic. Toph Beifong's Metal Bending Academy, or as we like to call it, Toph's issue. Yep, Toph's mm-hmm. issue. It works in two different ways. Everyone see because it's a comic book, which two is also called there. an issue, and then she also yeah. has an issue in this comic. So in the comic that at, we're gonna explore, yeah. I think this whole it's, it's a good one. That make it seventy eight percent funnier for everyone. Okay, good. We're all on the same page. <laughs> Yep. This comic was written by Faith Aaron Hicks and Tim Hedrick, two of the writers from the Avatar team who worked on the original Avatar animated series. The art was done by Peter Wartman and the coloring was done by Adele Matera. 
And the first scene of the comic opens on Toph's metal bending academy, where Toph and her students are gathered in the courtyard. As the rising sun spills light over the academy grounds, Toph instructs her students to begin, and the courtyard is filled with smooth, practiced metal bending movements. Toph smiles with pride, but her smile soon falters and then falls. One of her students approaches to tell her that Sokka and Suki have arrived. Toph goes to meet her friends at the gate and is quickly showered with compliments about the academy's evolution. As they walk around the grounds, Toph explains that she's been able to add new facilities to the academy using the funds supplied by the earthen fire industries. She can also provide metal bending lessons for free, and the students don't have to sleep on the ground anymore. Sokka remarks that his back still hasn't recovered from their team avatar travels. When Suki compliments Toph on the progress she's made with the academy, Toph unenthusiastically replies that, yeah, everything is going great. Suki and Sokka share a glance. Sokka asks why Toph is acting like something is wrong, and their friend exclaims that everything is so peachy and great, but there's a big problem. She's bored. With Panga, Hotan, and the Dark One teaching beginner classes, and scouts looking for metal benders across the country, and assistants paying the bills, the academy is practically running itself. There's no challenge, just a monotonous daily schedule of waking up, eating, teaching, going to bed again. Suki cheerfully replies that it's a good thing that she and Sokka are there to shake up her schedule and her routine because they're taking Toph to a concert. Oh, whose concert could it possibly be? Whose concert could it possibly be? (gasps) We're about to find out. But first, this opening was kind of weird for me and I'd love to hear your thoughts, Greg, because I actually had to go back and I think throughout the three trilogies that we've covered, Mm -hmm. The Promise, The Search, and The Rift, We have only seen Toph's Metal Bending Academy twice, like a wide shot of what it looks like. And I, you know, we went through that whole thing about how the firebending master came in and took over for a short time and blah, blah, blah. But I was reading this going, wait, they've always stayed inside the Academy. What's this about rock tents and people having to sleep on the ground? I was confused. I was thinking about that too. I think she is referring to, they alluded to this in the riff that she had people like sleeping outside because she was getting so popular and she couldn't like afford to house everyone. So her partnership with Loban's nephew, remember, he was like, I'll give you money. And she, Toph was like, nah, I don't want money. Just like, for lack of a better term, sponsor my school. Mm -hmm. So I think the sponsorship led to them being able to afford actual housing, I think is what they're going for here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, I was conflating the size of the land where the Metal Bending Academy was with its actual size. But looking back, I did go back in the previous issues and there is just one building, yeah, like one main building where they practice. And in Toph Beifong's Metal Bending Academy, you can see all these other buildings around it, up on the rocks. Mm. It's a lot. It's spread out. With so, her family crest on it as well. Yeah, with her. Oh my gosh. And you can also see the metal winged boars at the entrance of the main building too. Oh yeah. I think they made another one because there's a duo there now. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. But short confusion, short moment. Uh, But it is nice to hear that Toph School has been so successful that they've had to get funding to expand it, to give everyone a place to learn. Yes. I personally, so I had to go into a different mental state for Toph Beifang's Metal Bending Academy because mm-hmm. we've gone through the past nine episodes of three story arcs that were meant to be cohesive and go together. Yep. We're reading this one now because this is chronologically when it takes place. 
But Toph Beifeng's Middle Bending Academy is still, as a friendly reminder, part of that trilogy of Suki alone and Katara and the Pirate Silver. So getting into this was a little bit jarring for me. I won't, won't mm-hmm. lie. Yeah, same with me. The art style is different. The promise, the search, and the rift are so beautifully illustrated and they're so smooth. And like there was so much time and effort went into making this feel like a cohesive part of the series. And almost like like a 2D version of the show. Like yes. the style was the same. Yes. And no shade on, on the creative team on this book, but it's just different. And it's, it's just different. It's jarring. And as a comic book fan, I've gone through this many, 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 many times. I feel like the Doctor Who community would be able to agree that whenever they switch a doctor... It's very jarring. It's the same thing here, right? Same thing as a comic book fan. They switch an art team. They switch a writer. It's very jarring. It's just jarring here. So I was like, yeah. And then I eased into it a bit. And then you have to get used to it. Yeah, because every team and every artist has their own signature style. And so after, yeah, spending, what, nine issues back to back with the same art team to go to something different was just like, whoa, where are we? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Just wanted to let everyone know when, at least when I was starting to read this, this was my headset or my mindset rather. Mm -hmm. And also the story, because it's a standalone, the pacing's different too. So that's also something that I had to kind of adjust to also. Yeah. 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 But later that day, Sokka, Suki, and Toph arrive at the concert building where it's revealed that the performers are none other than... (gasps) Drum roll, please. Chong and the Traveling Nomads. Yes. How excited were you, Greg, to see Chong again? I was so excited. I thought I would never see him ever again in my (laughs) life. And there he is on my page. We've talked about Chong so much since the Cave of Two Lovers episode. Mm -hmm. And I was so thrilled for you to see Chong in this comic. Uh, Just a quick (laughs) aside, too. In May of last year, actually, so 2021, there was a live reading of this very book. <gasps> I think it's on YouTube. They did it originally on Twitch, but I think I did find it on YouTube at one point. And it included Michaela Jill Murphy, a.k.a. Jesse Flower, a.k.a. Toph, mm-hmm. Jack DeSena, who plays Sokka, Jenny Kwan, who voices Suki, and they got Faith Aaron Hicks, Peter Wortman, and not only Olivia Hack, but Phil Lamar. To kind of do additional voices. And Phil Lamar voiced Earth King Kuai. If anyone didn't listen to that episode or kind of forgotten, he's voiced Jon Stewart Green Lantern in the Justice League, Static Shock from his animated series. Like he's been around forever. He originally started on Mad TV for anyone that is old like me. You might have (laughs) recognized him from there as well. But they have that reading. I remember Phil Lamar did voice chong instead of having because our best friend d bradley baker wasn't there so phil lamar yeah. had to go over that role i will say seeing chong in the book was kind of bittersweet because i just want to hear him i know it's tough when you have a character that is musical show up in a book it just doesn't quite for me have that same feeling for lack of a better term i guess Hmm. yeah it is different because of that But at the same time, it's still so nice to see them. And apparently, since we saw them last, the three musicians have formed a music group that they have called Trustfully in Love. And their music has swept the country. It has. I have a theory. Yeah. It might be a little PG-13 of a theory. So if any kids are listening, earmuffs for two seconds. (laughs) I think they're a thruple. Oh, really? I just feel like that. I don't know why. I look at them on stage and how happy they are together. And the fact that the other ones are gone and it's just them three now. Yeah. 
I can uh, see that. I feel like they're a thruple. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Headcanon fan hand theory. Just handcanon. Yep. Well, they now have hundreds of adoring fans, one of which being Suki. She is beside herself with excitement being able to go to this concert. The three friends take their seats at the front of the music hall. And sure enough, Chong, Lily, and Moku take the stage. And Chong introduces a song he wrote about a little dude they met a long time ago. A dude with an arrow on his head. Even though he kind of forgot the words to the song, the chorus goes like this. Sokka and Toph, unimpressed by the performance in front of them, suffer through the concert for three hours until Toph can't take it anymore. She escapes to the streets of Yudao where she finds peace at last. Now, I might be projecting because, Greg, mm-hmm. I know you love Chong so much, mm-hmm. but I was surprised that Sokka wasn't more into this, that he didn't like them more. He wasn't into them when he first met them either. I know. He was face palming all throughout the Cave of Two yeah. Lovers, but at the same time, I'm like... This is a nightmare scenario for Sokka. <laughs> yep, probably. But I'm also like, man, Greg and Sokka are so similar. Why isn't Sokka more excited about this? So that just goes to show how much you have blended in my brain <laughs> <laughs> with Sokka. There are few things that Sokka and I disagree upon, I feel like, and this is one of them. Although. I did not have to deal with Chong for more than 30 minutes. That's true. To That's be true. Fair. They had to deal with him for hours. Yeah. So maybe if I had to deal with Chong in real life for a couple hours, who's to say? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But being yep. an external party watching the adventure, man, do I love Chong. <laughs> I will say this, though. I don't... Okay. I know I'm like supposed to suspend my disbelief, mm-hmm. but I don't really know how they got popular if they still can't remember half of their songs. You know, I, I agree. I dislike that joke. I dislike it so bad because all it's doing is saying like, hey, remember that that one song they sang that everyone really liked because they can't remember the words yeah. to their own songs? Yeah. We're going to do that again. And we're not even changing the joke. I and mean, it's just one of those things. It was things, too on the nose. It was too on the nose. And the fact that they're singing about Aang too, and it's like just literally anything else, mm-hmm. anything else, please. Yeah. But I don't know, can't tell if that's me being nitpicky, if that's me being overly excited for something that features three of my favorite characters in Avatar. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I think for me, it's the way they present themselves mm-hmm. contrasted with how crazy rabid their fans are. Like they are diehard fans of yes. this music group and they're like, get onto the stage and it's like, um, all right. Well, I remember a couple of lines of the song goes like this doesn't line up for me. And yeah, I know it's a callback, but still. It's a callback. It also happens in real life. I don't remember who, but there's a couple different bands that just forgot the words to their own songs on stage. Words, but yeah. not whole stanzas. That's fair. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Know. Yeah. Moving on and suspending the rest of our disbelief. Mm-hmm. As Toph walks down the empty street, she senses rumbles in the ground with her seismic sense that she can't quite recognize. The rumbles are similar to earthbending, but also different. She follows them into a rundown corner of the city and finds a large building. She sneaks through the back and comes upon a lively event with dozens of onlookers from every nation. In the center of the group are two benders sparring. Toph perks up immediately, recognizing the event as an underground bending tournament. She weaves through the building past people placing bets and benders practicing on the sidelines until she's close enough to hear the two sparring benders taunting each other. Toph smiles at the flood of memories from her days as a blind bandit, reminiscing that back then she had no academy to manage, no students to train. It was just her and the ring. I have another small nitpicky thing. Yeah, let's hear it. 
I feel like this is going to be a Suki alone kind of recording, but her seismic sense looks different in this book than it does actually in the show. It's not grayscale? It's not grayscale. I could get over it not being grayscale. It was very, for anyone who's forgotten, very circular, very like rippling kind of effect. And these are red lightning bolts. Yeah. And I think it's supposed to visually represent the different type of bending we're about to see. But yeah, I agree. It's just very, very different. Yeah. I mean, if I could get behind that, but then it would have to be grayscale for me. Like, you know, like one or the other. It just is weird to me when we have visual representations already existing of a power and then they Mm -hmm. just change it. It's honestly, and I'm going to say this and people are going to like cringe a little bit. I understand. It's kind of like the last airbender where we already have pronunciations of everyone's names, but they just change it anyways. (laughs) Ong. Ong. Soka. Soka. I'm so mad. I will be eternally mad. (laughs) (laughs) It's that same like kind of knee jerk feeling that I get when I see something that's quote unquote incorrectly portrayed. But yeah, you know, it's supposed to represent the different bending we're about to see. Fine. Just give me a consistency one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I'm on the same page. Okay. And I'm so sorry. I'm just going to rain on this party even more. The bender who has the special bending mm-hmm. isn't even bending yet. So why is there special seismic sense that Toph is sensing? Ah, that's a good point. That's There's a good point. There's nothing to sense. They're standing <laughs> on the sidelines in this building. <laughs> I had canned my way around that just to be like, she sensed bending. And then I completely forgot that she says, this feels like bending, but none that I've ever felt before. (laughs) One or the other team, one or the other. Yeah. So we're just going to avert our gaze Mm -hmm. and go, everything's fine. This all makes sense. Sure. And continue. Smile and nod. (laughs) Yes. The match shifts and new competitors take the ring. Both of them appear to be earthbenders. One slender and scrappy and the other sturdy and strong. The strong bender goads the scrappy one into a massive attack that takes the crowd by surprise. With a sweeping move, deep fissures shoot across the floor, hot lava steaming from the cracks. Just then, an onlooker standing next to Toph recognizes her and asks if she's the earthbender who traveled with the avatar. Thinking she's about to be showered with the usual praise, Toph smiles and says yes. Her next sentence is cut off, however, when the onlooker shouts to the surrounding crowd, Everybody run! The man's shutting this place down! (laughs) Panic seizes the crowd and the building quickly empties, leaving a devastated Toph behind. Oh man, her nightmare right (laughs) here. She's like, I'm not the man, I'm not my dad. Yeah, Toph the man Bayfong, working for the government. (laughs) Oh jeez. Yeah. The next morning, Penga, Hotan, and the Dark One gather to give Toph their weekly report. Toph strides in with a dead expression and quickly moves through each person's report, barely giving them a chance to finish what they're saying. As Toph walks away, Hotan comments that she seems even grumpier than usual. And Panga complains that even though she's worked hard teaching her metal bending students, Toph won't let her tell her about it. The Dark One adds that he feels the same way and he hates it when Panga's emotions are the same as his. Hotan asks wordly if the Academy is in trouble. But Toph exclaims, no, everything is fine and respectable, and that's the problem. After she leaves, Hotan muses that Toph may be upset because the Academy is so different from how she learned bending. She originally perfected her skills in an underground earthbending tournament. It was a tough and difficult environment, while the Academy, in comparison, is cushy and luxurious. Panga isn't convinced about that part, noting that she only has two closets for her clothes. Hotan insists that there's a big difference between a school and a bender fighting ring. And even though they've grown a lot as individuals, 
Wouldn't it be great if they could prove to Sifu Toph that her students are just as tough and capable as she is? He continues saying that he overheard other metal bending students talking about a new underground bending tournament in Yudao, which would be the perfect place for them to show how capable they are. Sure. Let's just go fight in an underground ring. Uh huh. That sounds like a good idea. Which we just saw. And so it's like, you know, I heard about this yeah. tournament happening yeah. in Yudao. We should totally check it out. Convenient. Here's the kind of gripe that I have with this scenario. It's not a mm-hmm. good plan. I'm okay with that. I've supported worse plans for entertainment, right? Okay, Uh cool. The underground fighting ring doesn't seem particularly dangerous to me. It's just more kids fighting at night. Yeah. Like if we had a scenario, if we had a fight club with characters from the bar that June frequents, Uh awesome. Like I could see that. so cool. It'd be so cool. I could see it being dangerous. If we had like a lot of seedy looking characters, but it's essentially like, ages 12 and up. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. No, that's what I wanted. Until you said that, I didn't realize what the disconnect was. Yeah. That is what I want. I want a June bar redux. Yes. And instead, we get a bunch of kids from across the nation. Also, by the way, how did the waterbenders get into you, Dal? Last time we checked, it was just the earthbenders and the firebenders living together. Where did the waterbenders come from? Anyway. That I can headcanon that out and being like, okay, everyone's joining. But we haven't seen the waterbenders since like the North Pole. That's true. Who knows? Maybe in the next trilogy series that we're going to be reading, Smoke and Shadow, then North and South, and then Imbalance, maybe we'll see a little bit more of that. But having this take place right in between the two books... It is kind of like a disconnect of like, okay, we know, like you said, Earth and Fire are working together. Water's just still doing water things. But I guess, Mm -hmm. although I guess not. A few people have come over because of the rift. Yeah. But that was out of necessity. They were coming looking for work. Sure. I guess, I mean, if we kind of stretch a little bit, we're going to do a lot of stretching. We're going to be doing a lot of limbo playing. Like (laughs) We're going to be a little agile with our imaginations on this one. I don't think it's too unheard of that while some left from necessity, others left to seek glory and fame. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I'm grasping at straws here. Yeah. Yeah, I know. (laughs) June bar. June bar. Missed opportunity. Give us that Ryu character from Street Fighter again in the June bar. Please. Uh, Yep. Our Shirashu friend. Yeah. June herself. Oh, that would have been a great callback. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Oh, well. That night, Toph returns to the building where the bending tournament had been, but it's empty and dark. The ridges in the ground from the lava bending are cooled and gray. Just then, a boy peeks his head into the building and then runs away when he sees Toph. Discouraged, Toph wonders aloud why everyone keeps avoiding her. A distant rumble shakes the building and Toph steps outside expecting to see a stampede of saber-toothed moose lions or something. But instead, Chong runs around the corner. When he sees Toph, he begs the tiny but powerful earthbender lady to help him, which is his nickname for her, which is cute. Mm -hmm. Toph hides the musician under a tarp just as a herd of his rabid fans run by. Once they've gone, Chong explains that even though he doesn't want to hide, he feels like he has to with the strength of his fans' love. Unimpressed, Toph turns to go, and Chong asks her why she seems so sad. Toph sarcastically replies that she has no reason to be sad. People respect her so much that they run away when they see her. Then, more frustrated, she says, don't they know that she used to be just like them? She was the blind bandit. She's proud of her metal bending academy, but she's also frustrated with how routine her life has become. There aren't any challenges. She's just teaching bender kids how to do their stances every day. 
Meanwhile, there are kids in the streets of Yudao discovering bending techniques she's never seen before, like the kid that seems to have discovered lava bending. Now, she's seen by everyone as the bender establishment. Chong sympathizes, saying that it was the same for him, Lily, and Moku. They used to play music for love, but then everything changed when they started playing music for money. Toph asks why he doesn't just go back to the way things were, and Chong admits that he'd miss sleeping indoors every night. He's fallen in love with bed and pillows. He then asks if Toph could escort him to said bed and pillow, and his earthbender hero agrees. It's kind of interesting that both kind of got what they wanted, although I would argue Chong never knows what he wants at any given point. <laughs> but it's just yeah. the, uh, the other side of the coin of success. Toph has basically become her father. She's become an establishment, trusted. She's a name. A figurehead. That, a figurehead. Like everyone knows her name. And it's awesome because it's from her own work. She's not like piggybacking off of her father's name. Mm-hmm. They're probably saying Lao Beifang Hu at this point. Right? Like some people. And Chong has seen this big success. And I do love that it's left him and Toph as well uncorrupted by money or anything like that. The only thing that Chong needs in his life now is a bed and a pillow, which mm-hmm. is pretty innocent, to be honest. Yeah. And also very Chong speed. Yes. Yeah. It's also kind of interesting that these two characters are at the same stage in their lives right now. Yeah. It's really cool to kind of see like, He's probably, I would argue, in his 30s, Chong. Yeah, late 30s, late probably. 30s. And she, at this point, would be, I don't know, 16? 16? Is that what I was thinking? Yeah. So, interesting. Toph always just finds a commonality, I think, with older people. <laughs> yeah. Like her last conversation with Iroh. Yeah. All of her conversations with Iroh. Mm-hmm. 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 That dynamic is just super interesting to me. And... I wonder why the writer decided to pair these two together. I wondered that too. I guess the closest relationship to Toph being a career woman and a Sifu running an academy based off of like a skill that she cultivated. A lot of that parallels with an artistic or creative background like mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was just an opportunity to bring back Chong in the, in the nomads yeah. and set them up into a similar situation so that they could relate to each other. And I don't know if this is overt, if this was the point of doing this, but I did also very much catch the parallel to like selling your soul and sacrificing your hobbies and time to corporate America for yeah. financial security yeah. as an adult. I was feeling that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this doesn't feel good. No, no. Yeah. I hope there's some deeper meaning that we're not quite figuring out other than the fact that the writer just likes Chong and the nomads and wants them in what is being written. Yeah. I'm going to say this right now, about halfway through or over halfway through the episode. I don't like this issue all that much. It's not a favorite. I will say that. Of the three of the trilogy that this is supposed to be a part of, this is probably the third favorite. Mm-hmm. Just putting it out there. So if I yeah. seem like a disgruntled old man, it's because you know why. We've been spoiled. We've been spoiled <laughs> We've been so spoiled much. by Yang. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the city, Hotan, Penga, and the Dark One wander the streets looking for the underground bending tournament. As they walk, the Dark One and Penga try to convince Hotan that proving himself this way isn't necessary and that Sifu Toph didn't ask for them to do this. But Hotan is determined and tells his fellow students that he plans on proving to himself that he has changed and doesn't fear doom anymore. And they don't have to come with him. But his friends say they will come because they can't let him do it alone. 
Switching back over to Toph and Chong, as they walk through Yudao, Toph senses the same strange rumble she felt the night of the bending tournament. She rushes through the streets until she comes across a large dilapidated warehouse. Unbeknownst to her, her students have also found the warehouse and make their way inside, determined to prove themselves for their teacher. Toph and Chong sneak onto the roof of the warehouse where Toph has some trouble seeing what's happening inside with her seismic sense. Chong describes the space below being full of angry people all venting their anger out on the world. Also, that one guy's wearing a terrible hat. (laughs) (laughs) So once again, I'm just going to point out that Sun, the lava bender, Mm -hmm. isn't bending right now. Yeah, maybe he's practicing. They also allude to the lava bending being a symbol of Sun losing control. That is true. So that is very true. Just going to point that out. I also think there's a better plan than jumping on a roof where Toph cannot use her seismic sense. Like, I don't know, putting on a hood, putting her hair down, Uh a disguise of any kind. Yep. Like the fire festival when they snuck in. Yep. Yeah. Or Kevin Padalopsicopolis. That's right. Yeah. With Appa's fur. I mean. Well, Appa's not there. So I can see that. I know. I'm just saying we have some disguise We're practice and We're experience. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Although I'm going to say this and then I'm going to counter it. Maybe everyone would recognize Chong and put a disguise on Chong too. Okay. We're all on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that same lack of attention to detail or at least seemingly lack of attention to detail that I think separates this book from The Promise, The Search, and The Rift. Mm -hmm. It's leaving a situation open for the reader to go, wait, Wait, what? Why? Or wait, why? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of giving and providing reasons for things working the way that they are and it making sense. Yeah. And I would, I could suspend my disbelief again and say, okay, they're on the roof because this is important to the plot point. Not just for a low-hanging joke to pick, but it's important. Mm -hmm. But it's not. If they were right there, you get the same jokes. You literally get the same thing, but she can use her seismic sense. Yeah. I don't know. We didn't have grayscale in the budget. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) We had to use a ball of zinc for tax purposes. (laughs) Well, inside the warehouse, we see that same scrappy lava bender from the other night, who's named Sun, who is preparing to fight again. His friends caution him to be careful so he doesn't lose control like he did last time. And Sun confidently tells them they have nothing to worry about. Toph hears this exchange and grins to herself, knowing that she's found the kid she wants to meet. Something that really threw me, and I know I haven't watched a lot of Legend of Korra, Mm -hmm. but I recognized Sun and I thought immediately that it was a girl. And I couldn't understand why until I researched it and found that Opal from Legend of Korra looks exactly like Sun. I don't know who Opal is. I don't remember an Opal. Do a quick search okay. for Opal, Legend of Korra. Let me see what I can find. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my. It's like. It's the same person. It's uncanny. It's the same hairstyle. It's the same soft features. The eye color is a little different, but like, whatever. Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's so similar. You would see Opal off for a jog and then you would run into Sun and be like, oh, did I just see you jogging? And Sun's like, what are you talking about? Exactly. Exactly. So weird. Corporate needs you to find the difference between this picture and this picture. They're the same picture. <laughs> it's the same person. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, when they started using he, him pronouns, I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very confused. Well, your confusion can be laid to rest because according to the wiki, this is the one and only appearance of Sun. So Sun is not actually Opal in disguise? No. <laughs> Who cannot age? No. 
Yeah. Not yet, anyways. <laughs> so funny. Well, just then, Chong comments that some weird-looking kids that are obviously filled with love just showed up. Toph asks him what they look like, and Chong describes one being kind of like a potato, another with great shoes, and a third who looks like he has the heart of a poet. Toph recognizes her students in the description immediately and wonders in frustration why they're not home at the academy and in bed. Inside the warehouse, Hotun, Panga, and the Dark One walk up to the betting desk and ask to be registered for the fight. But the bet collector just stares at them a moment before telling them to stand in line. Like, there's no sign up here. What are you doing? Go stand in line over there. <laughs> Panga, being a little anxious, tells Hotun that it's okay to be afraid and that maybe it's okay to see Doom sometimes. Kind of like she is right now. Hotun tells her that he's determined not to be afraid anymore. He's not like the old Hotun anymore. Meanwhile, in the ring, Sun and another earthbender square off and begin fighting. They both bend rock gloves around their hands and begin pummeling and blocking. Sun's opponent knocks him to the ground, but the slender earthbender jumps back to his feet and knocks the other bender to the ground with a punch that's so strong it knocks the rock glove right off of his hand. On the roof, Chong likens all the yelling and fighting below to a music teacher he had as a kid. That teacher yelled a lot and was always telling him he wasn't good enough. Toph replies that even though she yells at her own students, she does it because she wants them to do well. The academy is a safe place where young benders can develop their skills with structure and support instead of having to resort to things like underground bending tournaments. But even so, she still likes yelling at her students a little bit, she admits with a wry smile. In the ring below, the fight isn't over. A shirtless waterbender with a warrior's wolf tail strides into the ring and takes the place as Sun's opponent. He tells the earthbender that he can handle any tricks Sun has up his sleeve. They begin fighting, the waterbender unleashing a barrage of water attacks that Sun has to block with a wall of rock. Eventually, Sun slips on a pool of ice and the waterbender grins in triumph. But instead of going down, Sun plants his hands on the ground and a wall of lava erupts from the floor. The waterbender, top students, and the onlookers are all shocked at the surprising display of mixed bending. Hotun and the others wonder if Sun knows how to control the ability and quickly decide that, no, he doesn't as the lava is creeping up to a metal support beam and begins to weaken it. And the roof begins to sag as a result. Henga jumps into action and braces this huge beam as the onlookers flee to the exits. Sun and his friends also run away. And as he passes them, Sun exclaims that he's never seen metal benders before. Henga is able to brace the beam long enough for most of the warehouse to empty before it gives way completely. A huge portion of the roof crashing to the ground. Toph pulls Chong off the roof to safety, where she leaves him to run to the crumbling warehouse. Inside, her students struggle to hold the rest of the roof up above the exits so the rest of the spectators can escape. A metal sheet comes loose and falls towards Sun, who raises his hands, and the sheet stops. He wonders for a second if he can metal bend, but then it's revealed that Toph is standing behind the sheet, and it was her who stopped it from hitting him. <laughs> she tells the earthbender that, yeah, he's special, but he's not that special. Toph helps her students clear the rest of the debris and everyone is able to escape safely. Yeah, I like that. It was kind of cute. He's like, I can metal bend too. Oh, <laughs> no, just lava. Just the lava. Yep. I do want to point out there's that change in art style for a single panel when Sun first lava bends we see him or that first anger lava bends. It's very like yeah. Frank Miller-esque. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And they use an, a giant onomatopoeia for the lava bending, which just says rush. But like, I don't know if lava makes a rush sound necessarily. Yeah, I thought that was a little weird too. Isn't lava like usually pretty slow? I, I'm not like a geologist or anything. But yeah, 
the onomatopoeia I would have used would have been like shloop. Yes, that is less cool though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but you're right with that panel. It's like really heavy shadows, like inky shadows and very dramatic showing that Sun is, well, I mean... They're saying that Sun is losing control, but I think he's purposefully bending and it's not like he's erupting the whole building. I don't know what's going on there. I see why they chose that for the art style, but it is very jarring in my opinion because you don't see that anywhere else. Like if you're if you're going to do that. Awesome. I think it looks very cool. It's very dramatic. It's certainly very stylized. It grabs the eye, which is why we're having this discussion, I guess, in the first place. Mm-hmm. But have it somewhere else. Like, have it again the first time we see him lava bend. I think what's more jarring is the fact that they used it for Sun losing control. I say this in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah. When the next panel, like, widens and you can see the damage and it's like a puddle yeah. of lava. <laughs> it's like nothing's destroyed. He didn't, like, decimate anything. Oh, God. It's like an Ant-Man when they're fighting on Thomas the tank engine toy and it's just like this big epic battle and you zoom out and it's just like on a little track that's going yeah. around in a circle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the context is like, it doesn't match. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. All right. All right. But you know, good for Panga. Yeah. She saved the roof and saved the lives of a lot of the onlookers who are still trapped in the warehouse. So mm-hmm. I guess it's them proving themselves. Yeah. And Toph was even there to see it, which is kind of the whole point. Absolutely. Once outside, Sun and his friends start to run away, but Toph bends a strip of metal around him to halt him in his tracks. She approaches and tells them that, okay, listen, you guys just destroyed a building and we got to talk about it. Anticipating a lecture, Sun's friends tell Toph that Sun doesn't mean to lava bend, it just happens sometimes. But Toph surprises them by inviting them to join the Beifong Metal Bending Academy, where Sun can learn how to control his lava bending and possibly learn metal bending from what Toph calls three of the best metal bending teachers in the Earth Kingdom. Of course, referring to Panga, Hotan, and the Dark One. It takes some convincing, but Sun finally accepts. The group returns to the academy where they're met by Sokka and Suki, who ask where they've been. Toph introduces them to her new students and says she has a feeling things around the academy won't be so routine anymore. Once everyone is settled, Chong reveals to Suki that trustfully in love is no more. But... He, Lily, and Moku will continue to play music just for themselves the way that they used to. He tells Toph he's going to write a song about her and the group of traveling musicians leave in their new wagon home, leaving Toph behind to get back to work. The end. At first, I was going to start to nitpick again, and then I realized I was wrong for wanting to nitpick, but that's just been my my mindset this whole issue. What were you going to nitpick? I was going to nitpick that suddenly Toph knows how to control lava bending, even though she cannot lava bend. And that's kind of bold of her. Granted, she is bold in general. And then I kind of came to the understanding all by myself, I might add, reviewer who says I'm adorably wrong sometimes, (laughs) that metal bending, how she chose metal benders was based off of the raw emotion that they give off. And if Sun is losing control supposedly when he's lava bending, then I can see where the principles would apply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you came to that conclusion because I was struggling with that too. Yeah. And I thought that Toph would more than likely be like, come on back to the academy where I can learn a little bit more about this lava bending. Not so much. Hi, wayward earthbenders. Do you need shelter? Come back yeah. to my academy. We'll be nice to you and train you. Like that's more how it came off and it was less Toph. Yeah, I feel like this script might have gone through a couple of rewrites. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of getting that vibe off of it. 
because I feel like the fact that Sun loses control and it's anger or whatever emotion that's causing the lava bending was a rewrite. Yeah. So he I could go to that. the school, even though we're never going to see him ever again. That was somehow important to this story arc. <laughs> okay, that's another thing too. It would have been so much more impactful, in my opinion, for a single run issue with a character that never shows up again. Yeah. If they were also a girl who came up with this impressive sub-bending style, is then there would at least be a connection between Toph and the person. And maybe she could have learned a valuable lesson from this interaction rather than just being, you know what? I'm not bored anymore. Yeah. There's an interesting person for me to mentor. Yes. We have, I think, I think ultimately our problem is that we have come up against red and covered another filler episode. Yeah. This is the great divide of the comics. It really is. So far anyways. Yeah. I don't see any meaningful impact coming out of this because it all wraps up in 80 pages or less. We do get a little more of the Dark One, Panga, and Hotun, which is appreciated, but it's not like they seemed kind of hollow to me in, in this issue. It was all callbacks. Yeah. And it was like, I never thought I would ever think that if you put Sokka, Toph, Chong in one story, that it would be in a new bending. And it would be so boring. Thank you for saying it. Yes. It would be, I was trying to <laughs> think sorry. of a nicer way to say it. <laughs> it would be very boring. Yeah. No, like, disrespect or no shade to anyone who really likes this. Exactly. I, I can see some of the redeeming qualities. I know I like to nitpick at the the negative things. I don't know why. That's just, I guess the dark one and I have that in common. But, like, mm-hmm. it's just coming off of, we said it once, we'll say it a million times, coming off of the promise, the search, and the rift, this just feels empty and hollow for me personally. Completely subjective, I know. Don't throw lava at me, please. <laughs> but... That's just kind of like the feeling I'm getting. It makes me super nervous for what's to come. No reason. Like there's a different creative team. I'm pretty sure I haven't looked at it yet, but I'm pretty sure it's a different creative team. There's more of a plan for these stories other than let's just feature Toph. Let's just feature Katara. Let's just feature Suki. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer when you get to something that you're not super into. And everything around it is so good. I know. But anyways. Good news is Smoke and Shadow is right back to Yang and Gurihiru. So... Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. So we have some stellar story coming up. Oh, that makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I mean, to kind of echo your thoughts, we definitely appreciate all of the effort that the yeah. team put into creating this. It is always nice to get more content about the Avatar universe. Just comparatively, based on our preferences and the things that we really value, we love that deep, interconnected, vibrant kind of storytelling that Yang writes. So that's more just our preference. Mm. We don't like to ask why (laughs) a lot. And I think it really comes down to it too. We can't disconnect our brain and just go like, yeah, good time. This seems great. (laughs) Absolutely. Toph knows how to coach a lava bender. No problem. Yep, exactly. (laughs) So anyway, we hope that you enjoyed the synopsis. And if you read the comic, then we hope that you enjoy the comic too. Mm -hmm. This, of course, leads us to the MVP. Who's the MVP of the issue in your opinion, Greg? Uh, I guess Toph. Because <laughs> her name's yeah. in the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, same. Yeah. Toph question mark. I would argue, though, Sokka and Suki are the MVPs. Because without them forcing Toph 
Or maybe not. I was going to say, without them forcing Toph to go see the concert, she wouldn't have that connection with Chong, but that's not true because she would have bumped into him in the alleyway no matter what. Yeah. And I could say it could be Hotan because Hotan grew and was striving to he prove did. himself. We and... kind of brushed past that. He had a big moment. He's not yeah. afraid of everything anymore for the most not part. so wrapped up and afraid of doom. Yeah. Honestly, for me, it's either Toph or Chong. They're both yeah. pretty heavily featured. Chong did help Toph in his own roundabout way, kind of like figure some things out. I honestly think that it's just that white noise of Chong chatter that kind of helps get your brain going. And that <laughs> you could figure things out for yourself when he's just talking nonsense. Yep. But yeah, ultimately Toph because she's Toph and the yep. book's about her. And there's not really that much to dissect or read into, I feel like. And this is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And for that reason, I think it's between Toffer or Hotan for me. Yeah, fair. That's fair. What about the moral of the issue? There's two, as I see it. Mm-hmm. One of them is the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like she's like, oh, I remember the good old days when we were rough in it. And I was just like throwing the pebble around the ring. Yeah. Meanwhile, she was miserable at home and yeah. like hated half of her life. Yes. The other one. Well, let's hear yours before we talk about my other one. So I don't want to like accidentally just say if it's yours. I'm going to be honest. The morals that came to mind were pretty weak. Yeah. <laughs> kind of silly. Well, my other one was there's boredom and success. Oh, yeah. That's a good life lesson. Yeah, there can be. It's not going to be as exciting as when you were. Do It was when you were in the grind and trying to reach a a goal, or maybe if you just found your way there, you know, like once you obtain success, typically that means a routine forms and boredom can form Sets out of in. that routine. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're not being actively challenged anymore because every day is exactly the same. Uh huh. Or so Trent Reznor tells us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I think um, we're just going to go with yours because yeah. the things that came to mind were like, moral of the issue is find ways to tell a better story, but that's like throwing shade. And I really don't want to. <laughs> Put that out there permanently. So I really like your grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah. Moral. Yeah. There's something about rose colored glasses too. All that. Yeah, all those ones. Yeah. 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 That's I think was the overarching kind of theme for this one is both of those. But we got some more tough in our life. Nothing wrong with that. That's great. We got to see exactly. your figure things out for herself. This issue kind of convinced me that I'm going to get something thrown at me for saying this. Tough maybe isn't a leading character and that's fine. I think Toph is best when she's making her quips in the background and being like super stubborn and strong and just kind of being a supporting character. Oh, I would agree with that, actually. Yeah. Um, Supporting slash contrasting character. Yes, absolutely. I think I would have actually liked another Katara story, if I'm being honest with you. I think she is far more interesting on her own than Toph is on her own. Yeah. Yeah. As we saw in Katara and the Pirate Silver. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. My top favorite standalone comic so far. Yes. Mine are the order in which they were released. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) To be honest. So, or maybe not. The order in which we covered them, I guess. Or maybe not that. I don't know what I'm saying. My order is Katara, Suki, and then Toph, which I never thought I would say in a million years. But here we are. Yeah, same. Yeah. But that is it for today's episode. Again, thank you so much for supporting us as we go through the comics. We love all of your reviews. If you haven't submitted yours and you'd like it to be read on the podcast, then head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review with your written words, mm-hmm. and we will read it here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. If you have any other thoughts to share, you can also email us at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at podcast avatar. And 
if you're caught up on all the episodes and you've read all the comics and you've read for next week, which is going to be Smoke and Shadow Part 1, you can always join me over at twitch.tv slash boostergreg on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We just finished every single Darksiders game ever, and I feel like I've been playing it for an eternity. <laughs> but we're done with it. A little it. bit. We're over. It's been so long. We're going to jump into a new game, so come on down. We'll talk about some Avatar stuff. We'll talk about the game that we're playing. It'll be a good time. There have been so many people that have joined us and just hung out and made so many new friends, so... Come on down. We would love to have you. Yeah. And you can find me online at Acorn Bandit or Joey San Studio, where you can find my enamel pins. Coming up next time. Smoke and Shadow Part 1. I can't wait. Yang. I've missed you so much. Yang. Yang. I've missed Yang. you. Come back in my life. <laughs> See you next time on Avatar, Avatar the, the Podcast. podcast. Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.